to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. And I'm really happy to be able to use my um, outside voice today. I, again, sincere apologies for yesterday having to use my creepy inside voice. But I was not going to skip the podcast because everybody was sleeping. So by everybody, that means two dogs and my boyfriend. So here we are. I can talk like a normal person. And I will try my best to um, get all of my research done earlier so that I don't have to do creepy, uh, creepy inside whisper uh, podcast. Anyway, thanks for listening. If you put yourself through the agony. Today's topic is progress, not perfection. I wanted to talk about this because I am I don't even know what day I'm on for my new yoga habit. So last week I talked about creating habits and I decided I was going to create a habit of doing yoga. And I uh, originally expected to be doing yoga. Um, I don't even remember now whether it was the morning or midday. I think it was midday uh, 11. That's what it was at 11 o'clock. And then I found myself baking at 11 o'clock a couple days. And I thought, well, 11 o'clock's not going to work. So I was doing it at 3, 3.30-ish. Um, but then I found myself napping at 3 or 3.30-ish. And then I was like, all right. So Basically, I did yoga the majority of the days since last week. So I would say, mm, I would say four days out of seven days. So my agreement with myself was was that I was going to create a habit of doing yoga daily, and um, just like I do the podcast daily. Well, I didn't. So I talked about in that podcast about I'm not going to beat myself up if I don't make it. And um, so here we are. So this morning, I woke up and I did my sobriety meeting at 7am. And then uh, I decided as soon as my pooches waked, uh, waked, woke back up, uh, because they like to have cuddle time and sleep during my sobriety meetings. So it takes them a little bit after my meetings over to um, awaken. And so once they woke up, I was going to do my yoga so that I could just get it out of the way. And it's always as much as I don't really care for exercising in the morning. I know that I have a really energetic, positive day if I do that. So I decided today I was going to do it in the morning and I did and it felt awesome. And I've been a lot, had a lot more energy to, (laughs) excuse me, today than I have had. Um, It has not impacted my head uh, in a positive or negative way. I still had some um, headaches today. But all in all, I liked doing it in the morning. And so what I was thinking of today was, okay, well, part of the um, benefit of doing this podcast is being accountable 
for what I talk about because this is live action. <laughs> and if I um, say I'm going to do something and I don't do it, then I want to talk about that because we all do that. That's, you know, I'm human. We all do it. So how do I deal with that? And I like to do this podcast because I get to share my real life experience, my failures, my not so great parts, but also a lot of my successes and my, uh, my strength and my hope in, in recovery. So one of the things that I thought of was this uh, saying about reaching for the moon and then you might just uh, touch a star or something like that. I'm not quite sure. Maybe I should have looked that up. <laughs> anyway, it goes something like that. And uh, I was thinking how the difference between how I am now in recovery from both uh, alcoholism and my stroke is that I reach further than what's right in front of me. I reach for something more than what is just right in front of me. And my whole life, um, not even just when I was drinking, but before, uh, when I was younger, high school, uh, middle school, as a child, I really was only grabbing what was right in front of me. I just didn't get it. I, I didn't get that I could make big changes, that I could you know, I knew that it was my life and I knew that I was the one who had to work hard, but I guess I just didn't understand the great rewards that come with hard work. And I think it's because I never did hard work. I think that um, in school, I did pretty well without having to work really hard. And I feel like that is sometimes works against us as we grow up. People who didn't have to work hard in school never seem to, and, and I'm generalizing and I shouldn't be, but uh, for me, I didn't learn um, what hard work does. Uh, so, but I don't, no, you know, I had an episode, I, I'm being careful because I had an episode recently about procrastination not being about being lazy. And, and I really believed in what I was talking about in that episode that, that there is a lot of uh, fear and anxiety and compassion and stuff like that that has to do with procrastination. Um, when it comes to not working hard, that's a little different than procrastination, I think. I think there is, I, I still believe that there is an internal or an emotional and mental uh, angle to not working hard. Um, 
I think that it has something to do with, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I should do a podcast about that. It has, I feel like there's an emotional aspect to it. We'll just, I'll just stop with that and see if maybe I can do some more research on it. But um, the fact that I, that I wasn't reaching further than what was right in front of me, I think was, there were some things missing. Um, as far as what I was capable of, I just didn't know. But I, I don't think it was laziness. Laziness seems like such a general term and a cop-out for defining why somebody doesn't do something. And, and I really don't think that laziness is ever the answer. There's something going on inside. And and I don't I don't think that it's just plain old uh lack of giving a shit about your life. Everybody cares about their life. Um but there there are some illnesses, you know, deep within us that that you know, if we knew how to diagnose it, uh, I think, you know, I think the world would be a better place in a lot of ways. But so this morning, I was told, uh, I I showed up in my morning meeting, as I always do at 7am. And uh, I show up a little early so that we call it the meeting before the meeting. So I get to kind of shoot the shit with a couple people and see what's going on in their in their lives outside of their sobriety. I mean, I know sobriety is our life, but what's going on day to day? How's work going? How's the family? You know, um, how are the puppies? That kind of thing. And so a couple of the attendees were asking me how I was doing. And I shared with them that I felt like the migraine injection injections have made a positive impact that I don't have uh, this, this underlying pain 24 seven anymore, that I have it when it's actually been aggravated by something. So like, before I started my podcast this evening, um, I didn't have a headache, but now I'm starting to have one. And the reason why is because when I talk, I look around the room. It's my, it's a defect of mine, (laughs) apparently, that I didn't know. Uh, I guess a lot of people do that. But anyway, it aggravates my head. So uh, what's my point? So anyway, yeah. So I was telling them um, that there has been a little bit of progress and, So their response was, you are an inspiration. You make lemonade out of lemons. And I said, well, I got to make the lemonade every day. It's not like I have, I create a pitcher and I can drink it all week. I have to create a new batch every day. 
was my uh, was my response. And I've been thinking thinking about it all day that that I was told that I was an inspiration because when we're caught up in our lives and we're doing the things that we choose, uh, we think are best for ourselves or in the case of um, being in the in the thick of addiction, we're doing things that that we can't stop, uh, that we need help, you know, whatever it is, we're living our lives the best that we know how, you know, there's no brochure on how to live. And so as I live day to day, and I'm trying to do this thing, this recovery thing, um, I'm not doing it because I want to inspire anybody. Um, that's not why I started. That's not why I that's not why I started the podcast even. I started it because I was trying to save myself. Um, because I knew that things were gonna get really bad really fast. And yet I started taking these small steps and injecting change into my life as soon as I felt one little tinge, if that's a word, tinge of uncomfortableness, Uh, something was wrong. Um, I started to make a little change in my life right away. Uh, And now I'm getting feedback that I'm an inspiration. And that is amazing to me. It it really is amazing to me that uh, it's an example of progress. And so I wanted to talk about that. And the not perfection part of it is just obvious to me because... (laughs) Because I'm doing my best with these podcasts, but I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how great they're gonna be. I'm getting lots of new followers and listeners and I'm making new connections with people in the stroke community. Um, and it's been really great. Um, but all I'm doing is my best. That's all I'm doing. And I know I'm not perfect at it especially yesterday when I have to um, <laughs> record a, um, a sultry, in a sultry voice or something. I, my sponsee uh, sent me a message and she, oh, seductive. She sent me a message, a voice message today. And she, she was laughing and she said, she just loves my seductive voice uh, in yesterday's podcast. And I was like, oh dear, oh, that was terrible. Um, but you know, my passion ever since I was younger, what is being revealed to me as I continue to walk along this path of recovery is that I've always had a passion for expressing myself. It goes back to the big gigantic, uh, box of, of poems that I have. You know, I've written hundreds of poems since I was in sixth grade. 
And no, I don't think they're very good. I, I No, I don't think that they should be published. But it was the way that I was trying to express myself. And why was I trying to express myself? Why was I so passionate about finding the right words to express myself? Like, that was my challenge, finding the right words. And back then, it was because I thought I was unique. And I thought, if I can find the perfect words to explain what I'm feeling, I can tell people. I can, I can explain to people what I'm feeling uh, because I don't think it's normal. I don't think it's what other people feel. That's why I started writing those poems. I mean, that's, that's sad is what it is. It's sad that when I was in high school, I thought that I was so unique and that nobody thought things like me that I was driven to try to find the words so that I could tell somebody, you know? Of course, I never shared any of my poems with anybody because whatever came out and ended up on the paper, because back then I was using a pencil and paper, um, I was embarrassed about. You know, it, it, every blank sheet of paper started out with inspiration, it started out with like passion and my heart was filled and there was so much um, sadness and pain and love and emotion that was, was the impetus behind the words that I wrote down on the paper. But once they were out of me and I looked down at it, some nights I would go to bed and I'm thinking, yeah, I nailed it. You know, it was rewarding for me. Um, some nights, uh, because I usually did it in the, in, in the evenings before I went to bed, um, in the wee hours, some nights I would look down and be like, that's embarrassing. That's terrible. You know, that's terrible writing skill. Uh, so I was judging myself, but, um, but it's a, it's a great example for me that over all of these years, I'm 49 years old, all of these years. And I ha I continue to be inspired by trying to express myself, but the difference is today, I am not expressing myself. I'm not driven by the idea that I'm unique and I want to show people how I'm unique. Um, today, it's that I know I'm not unique. And if I can share with as many people as possible my experience, strength, and hope and how I dealt with this, then I can help other people that are going through the exact same thing that feel the exact same thing. So what I felt when I was a child and when I was a young adult is the opposite of what I feel now, which is that I want to connect with as many like-minded people as I can today. So 
I heard this morning in my meeting, somebody uh, was comparing uh, the feeling of recovery to ash. And I thought it was just a really great comparison because ash can be used as fertilizer. And I was thinking all the pain, you know, I was obsessed with the pain that I had inside of me back then. I mean, still for my whole life, I've been obsessed with the degree of pain that existed inside of me and in the world around me. Stories I would hear, you know, what's going on in the world right now, I have to make a conscious effort to pull myself away, to not be, uh, to be only, uh, for me, have a healthy awareness of what's going on in the world. Because if I, if I go too far, or if I don't go far enough, I'm in an unhealthy state of mind. And if I expose myself too much, I have a clear understanding that there's only so much I can do about it. So when I was younger, I didn't understand that I could do anything about my pain. So, so uh, walking quickly away from the topic of what's going on in the world right now, back to what's going on inside of me um, on a daily basis in recovery. Um, I used to lack an understanding and willingness that there was anything I could do about my pain. I didn't know that my pain was like ash. I didn't know that my pain was just fertilizer for my future, for what my future was going to grow into. So today, you know, I look for the fear and the pain and the anxiety from my past so that I can grow something. Um, the comparison to ash was really helped me make sense of what I was doing, what I'm doing now, what I'm doing with this podcast, um, what I'm doing with, with writing a book. Because I want to turn my pain into something that, that can help others grow. 
not only just my future, but if I can spread it around, then others can grow too. I have a random thought. I'm just going to share it with you. I had a dream last night that I was driving home to my house in West Virginia and I was on like the last stretch of road, which was like, I think it was two miles. It might've been a mile and a half to turn into my neighborhood. So in the dream, I'm driving my old Nissan Sentra that I had. It was like a 1990 Nissan Sentra. It was like a box. (laughs) It was like a box. And so I'm driving this home and all of a sudden I approach a flood. The road was flooding and it, it wasn't like I could see it coming. It wasn't like I was driving down the road and I'm like, oh, ahoy, ahead, there's a flood. It was like all of a sudden I was in the flood and my car was floating like a, like a canoe. And so I got out of the car and I stood up on the road and I picked up the car and started carrying it. And I walked my, I walked through the flood to the other side and then I put my car back down and got in it and drove away. So anyway, I had a, uh, it's just, I don't know. I wanted to share the dream because it's weird. Number one. And I love dreams because they're just weird. They're so weird. And I, and I talked about it last week, how dreams are, I don't think that there's anything to read from, from dreams. I mean, I know a lot of people do, and I'm not against that. Maybe there is something to read from it, but my healthy way of looking at dreams is to just look at them like a movie. And, um, and so I just wanted to share that, but if I were to find meaning in it, it would be that I found a solution to something that would seem to be a quite, uh, insurmountable, uh, obstacle. (laughs) Anyway, uh, thanks for letting me share that. (laughs) So anyway, um, one of the things that I've learned in sobriety is how to say yes, even when I don't want to. And I find that my progress, because that's our topic, progress, not perfection. My progress grows exponentially when whatever I'm facing, I'm facing it with fear and anxiety. And I say yes. So, for example, going to my sobriety meetings, there was this, again, insurmountable, it seemed like, right, at the time, insurmountable challenge of being an alcoholic and getting help. 
And I had so much fear and anxiety. I mean, I don't even know if there are words to describe all of the emotions that I felt uh, before I entered into sobriety. But the fear and anxiety, we'll summarize it as, was, was devastating, debilitating. And it's when I face challenges that cause that level of emotion and fear and anxiety, that's when I make exponential progress in my life. And going to meetings in the beginning of sobriety was the was like if I look back now this was a small step it it seemed gigantic from where I was sitting but in retrospect it was a small step. I was going to meetings in the beginning and still drinking. And I don't recommend that as you start. But that's my story. And that was my introduction to progress. I was trembling with anxiety. Another saying in my program is keep coming back. When I first was going to these meetings and I was still drinking when I, when I left the meetings, actually sometimes I had a, a, a few before I went to the meetings, which I'm sure everybody knew. Um, but what I heard was keep coming back. And that saying had such a shallow meaning to me in the beginning. To me, it meant keep walking into that room for that meeting. That that's what keep coming back was it was, it was just at face value for me. um, Keep driving my car there and walking into that meeting. Um, But over time, and today in stroke recovery, What keep coming back means to me is profound. It means everything to me. It means keep waking up. Keep putting two feet on the ground. Keep doing yoga. Keep fighting for yourself. Keep living. Keep seeking joy. You know, it's, it's just profound to me. That simple statement. There's a lot of simple statements that that I share in this podcast that started out being so shallow in their meaning to me that today um, I realize are a basis for living. And one of the other sayings that I hear often is, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, all is right when all is right within. I think that's how it goes. All is right when 
all is right within. I don't know. That doesn't sound right. You know how sometimes you say like, uh, shallow, shallow. Like you pick a word and you keep saying it and you're like, is that a word? Shallow, shallow. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm having right now. Um, anyway, if I continue to make right what's inside me, seeking serenity and joy within me, not outside of me, I've talked about that. I don't seek joy outside of me. Sure, I like to do things, you know, yeah, sure, I I like to grab a cupcake and it makes me happy. I'm talking about seeking joy, that stuff that sticks with you. Then if I continue to try to make what's inside me right, my environment improves. It just naturally improves. And that's because the lens I'm looking through is full of hope, you know? So that's how I would translate all is right when all is right within. Because if all is right within me, then the lens I'm looking through, uh, everything seems okay. You know, everything is okay. And progress for me started with the willingness to change my routine and create a new routine. So I have the sponsee that I'm just in awe by. And she doesn't know it. I probably don't say it nearly enough to her, um, but she'll know it right here in a second. So (laughs) I have this sponsee. She listens to every episode. She also does uh, some sort of exercise program every day. She has a row house workout she has stretch your faith yoga. She has, uh, sometimes she'll report back to me 10,000 steps she has accomplished before 7 a.m. I don't know how a human being does that. <laughs> I don't know because I remember trying to get 10,000 steps. She talks to me about family time. I constantly get pictures of her either at a hockey game with her family, or she's telling me about game night, or she's telling me about, oh, we all got together and we had spaghetti. This is family night with a family whose two daughters have graduated from college and moved moved out. You know, they, they're independent women and they come home for family night constantly. It's, it's a couple times a week. Uh, this sponsee also sent me a voice text today and told me how she made amends to a boss that she hated. She now accepts the boss for who he is. She's practicing acceptance and has changed from having gratefuls that were, I had a discussion with her about 
she had sent me a couple gratefuls that were like, uh, I'm grateful that I didn't punch my boss in the face. That was one of them. And I thought, all right, we got to talk about these gratefuls. And so we talked about it. And look what she did. She implemented it, you know, and she'll come back to me and be like, oh, it's I wouldn't be able to do it without you. But here's the thing. She is doing it without me. I'm sharing my experience, strength, and hope. That's all I'm doing. I'm sharing sharing what's inside Rachel, what Rachel has done, what has worked, and what has not worked. That's all I'm doing. So news to you, Sponsee, that you are doing it without me. You are listening and you are implementing. And that is progress. That is progress that inspires me. I heard that when I entered the program. I heard that we as sponsees inspire our sponsors to say, stay sober and be reminded of what it was like. But I don't know that I necessarily believed it. And this daily exercise that my sponsee talks about is is honestly what planted the seeds for me to want to start getting back into yoga. And I've been getting these grateful, she sends me gratefuls every night. And that's how I keep in touch with what's going on in her life. I definitely recommend gratefuls, even if you find a friend that you can send gratefuls to just partner up. And uh, I send them I'm trying to get back into it now that I can uh, semi look at my phone and send them out. Um, I mostly can. I've got text on my computer now, and that's easier for me to look at. Anywho, uh, find a partner that you can send gratefuls to. And it seems like a drag sometimes, but man, it'll shift your whole attitude. And I get these gratefuls, and I've been getting gratefuls for a couple years now about her uh, row house exercise and her uh, stretch your faith yoga. And sometimes it takes years of seeds to finally have something start growing. And so I'm starting to do yoga again. And yes, I only did it four out of seven of the days. But you know, it's okay. It's fine. Because if I didn't try to reach for the moon, I wouldn't have been able to even get close to any stars. You know, I if I hadn't tried to do yoga every day, I wouldn't have even done it the four days that I did it. So I think that that's success is what that is. And I think that's why I over-challenge myself because if I over-challenge myself, there's going to be a reward, period. There's going to be a reward. So here are four uh, suggestions for implementing progress in your life. Not perfection, but progress. So one is these trivial changes 
trivial changes to our routines, for example, me showing up at a a sobriety meeting, even though I was still drinking, again, uh, not recommended, but it was a trivial change in my life. And it created a powerful force towards progress. I believe it's not the size of the change that we make in our lives, but it's the consistency that we put towards it. Number two, anticipate doubt, self-doubt, and lack of motivation. There are going to be interruptions in your life as well. Things that stop you or keep you from the consistency part of it. And I say welcome those. Welcome the self-doubt and the lack of motivation and the interruptions because that's what makes us better and makes us grow. That's the growth part of progress is being able to, in small, um, in small ways, make changes and have that self-talk that says, okay, even though you don't want to do it, do it anyway, you know? And um, if I don't have interruptions in my life that keep me away from some of these things that I want to do, then (laughs) the way I look at it is that that means I still have a life, um, which has been in question lately, being trapped inside these four walls all the time. You know, I went to the post office today to send my uh, quilt off to my friend. And um, I got all I took a shower, I got all dressed up. (laughs) Because it's the first time I've left the house in a week. And all I did was go to the post office. I had earrings on and <laughs> and everything. So uh, anyway, that's pretty funny. So number three, be brave enough to give up and give in. I talked about giving up and giving in. And it's not, uh, I read somewhere, somebody calls it positive quitting. Like, know when something is too much for you. Um, One of the days, at least, over the past seven days, I didn't do yoga because it was too much for me, because I didn't feel well. So know when to be brave enough, because it takes courage to do something against what you have like assigned yourself with. At least it does for me. Because when I say I'm going to do something, you know, it's hell and high water that keeps me away from it. Well, apparently not because I didn't do my yoga for three of the days this week. So be brave enough to say, um, I can't do it. Because you don't want to push yourself to a point of being uh, more unhealthy. And number four patience and love. What would I tell that version of Rachel who's sitting in the townhouse with the Persian cat? What would I tell her about 
progress, what would you tell your younger, less wrinkly self? Uh, What would you say if you weren't perfect? You know, or what would you say if you knew what you knew what that little girl had to do? Um, How would you encourage her to start? You wouldn't say jump into the deep end. Most likely, if if there was a little girl sitting at a pool and she was afraid to swim, you wouldn't push her into the deep end. You would probably even hold her hand and walk down the steps with her in the shallow end. And that's how I try to treat myself. Because I have to be really, really gentle with myself. I'm kind of a wimp, believe it or not. (laughs) I may seem really strong, but I'm kind of a wimp. And honestly, uh, I had that interview with um, a podcast called Recovery After Stroke that's going to be live in three weeks Um, because there were a couple other folks that he interviewed before me that are going to be published in the next coming weeks. But in three weeks, my interview with him is going to be live, and I'll give you more information about it soon. Uh, I cried, and I cried in the end because he was, um, not to give away what we were talking about, but I was talking about the self-encouragement, the encouragement that I need on a daily basis for myself, like my self-talk and how, you know, I'm not as strong as I appear to, you know, like go back to this morning when I was told that I was an inspiration. I don't feel like an inspiration You know, I feel like I'm really working hard to find my place in life, to create my new identity, to help other people and to keep myself alive. That's what I feel like. So um, sometimes progress is ugly. And with this yoga thing, uh, it's it's kind of ugly. (laughs) in the beginning. Um, the good thing is, is that I'm not actually in a hot yoga class anymore, which is what I used to do before my stroke. And there were these young women who were, um, you know, doing handstands and everything that was difficult about yoga, like the advanced, advanced yoga, they were doing all of these. And meanwhile, at the time I was like 45 and, uh, I was, you know, barely being able to move I, my back. Ugh. Anyway, it's it's progress. Progress doesn't have to be pretty. And they say that in my yoga class, actually. It's, um, you know, it doesn't have to look good. You just have to do it. Just get comfortable in whatever it looks like for you. And that's what progress is. So, uh Thank you for listening. So nice to use my outside voice. Hopefully we can do more of that. And thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.